The NBA trade deadline is right around the corner. And with a few deals already taking place and many more rumored to be happening before Thursday's deadline, we'll be looking at what's happened so far and how some of the rumored deals could impact Miami's chances of advancing to the NBA Finals. It's another trade deadline primer here on Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Wednesday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening or watching on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com, use the promo code NBA, or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. So somewhere around mid-Tuesday, I'm looking at my phone as I want to do, and somehow I it, it seemed like we had gone into some kind of a time loop or something like that, Ju- you know, jumped ahead 20, 48 hours to mid-Thursday because all of a sudden a flurry of potential deals start happening and one actual deal takes place between the Indiana Pacers and Sacramento Kings. And so, uh, you know, a lot of excitement around the NBA, a lot of excitement from our listeners and watchers. So what we're going to do today is cover some of the trades that have happened. We're going to look at some of the trades that are rumored to be included with Miami as far as potentially getting a player like P.J. Washington, Rui Hachimura, maybe even Nick Batum. And we'll also look ahead to a potential trade in Brooklyn that could definitely impact uh, Miami's chances of advancing to the NBA Finals. But let's start off with the deals that have already taken place. We talked a little bit about a deal to the Cleveland Cavaliers a couple of days ago with Karis LeVert. Do you want to start off with that or do you want to start yeah. off with the big trade? Yeah, all right, let's well, go no, with the Cavs trade. Yeah, because you know we talked about it uh, a couple of days ago, but now that there's been more context, you see some of these other guards that have been moved across the league and I just wonder what it is that the Cavaliers thought that they were doing. I, look, I'm on record as saying that I'm really not worried about the Cavaliers as far as a playoff team this year. I think in a seven-game series that it's a fun lineup. I really enjoy watching Cleveland this year. Evan Mobley is Rookie right. of the Year, and it's not close. And it's looking right. like he probably should have been the top overall pick. But they're building something great in Cleveland. Credit to them. No disrespect to them. But they're young, and it's still a little gimmicky what they're doing. And I think in a seven-game series, it could be exploited. What they did need, though, was another ball handler next to Darius Garland, especially when Colin Sexton was injured and then, you know, doubled down on that. Ricky Rubio was out for the year. They ended up moving Rubio's contract and some picks to go get Karis LeVert. And look, Karis LeVert's a fine player, but he's a volume shooter. He's an okay ball handler. He's an okay passer. I don't really know how many shots he's going to get in Cleveland. Do you stagger him and Garland, whatever? I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But they basically traded Rubio's contract, uh, a lottery-protected first this coming summer, and then a pair of second-rounders for Levert. And you look at what these other guys went for, like Norman Powell going Hmm. for basically pennies, right? Um, You know, other deals across uh, uh, for for other guards. You saw what CJ – yeah, what what they had to give up for CJ McCollum. Look, I don't know what – you know, obviously you're not in one of these front offices, so you don't really know the extent of – the dialogue and how much of this stuff was really on the table for them. I, right. You know, you look at a guy like Eric Gordon, who is still out there, who plays mm-hmm. for the Rockets. I think, look, I understand that Karis LeVert is younger than Norman Powell, right. y- much younger than Eric Gordon. But to me, like those guys, especially CJ McCollum, like 
all those guys would have been way better fits for Cleveland. Like you could say younger contract, this con- yeah. whatever. Those players are way better than Karis LeVert. And and probably always will be. I, I don't. I, again, I'm not high on Karis Levert overall. No, but I, I agree I, with you. I, before we even really, jump into the, the Sacramento yeah. Indiana trade, I, I want to talk about that a little bit. I'm glad that we brought it up now because we did hint at it before. But the Levert trade, like, first let's start with the Cavaliers assessment. So many people worried about them, right? Because they've got these tall lineups and things mm-hmm. of that sort. Jared Allen playing like an almost all star, right? He was right there in the conversation, if not for Lamelo Ball. I, I think they're a good team. They're a fun team, but I think we're kind of over evaluating them a little bit because they've exceeded the expectations so completely. They were supposed to be a lottery team. They yeah. weren't going anywhere. Kevin Love was going to get traded for pennies on the dollar earlier this year because you know or they didn't out. need yeah. a veteran. Yeah, exactly. Or bought out because they didn't need them. They didn't know what they had on them. That it's all tied together to me seems really flimsy. Like I, I just I can't bet on them being a playoff contender. And I think we kind of you know look. Young players constantly falter in the playoffs. They're not sure what to do. The adjustments that are made in a series. Playoff basketball is not regular season basketball. Every year we see a fun, you know, exciting regular season team and go, oh, this team's going to make noise in the playoffs. And invariably it never happens. So I think we start there. The Cavs probably are not as dangerous as they look. They're great. They're fun. Like you said, they're good during this regular season. I don't know that it makes much of a difference. And yet the Harris LeVert trade. Go ahead. No, I wonder if it's a break for the Heat too, because I look. I, I know we haven't seen any of this stuff play out, but it feels like like if you could have gotten CJ McCollum if you're Cleveland, because ultimately Portland only did that deal for for draft capital. That's what they did it for: draft capital right. and and flexibility. And if you offered right. that Rubio deal contract with the other expiring contracts and and those same picks that you gave up for Karis Levert, I don't know. Portland has to at least think about it. I wonder if that was even a conversation. That would have been more, um, and, more dangerous to me, right? I mean, obviously, yeah, I think, I think Cavs fans would be like, "Well, McCollum's too old; he doesn't fit our window." You know who would be really great for to 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 kind of help coach these young guards in Cleveland? CJ mm-hmm. McCollum. Who, yeah. if you talk to young guards in the NBA, they talk about CJ McCollum like he's Dwayne Wade, and I don't mean that to be really? like, hyperbole. Like they love CJ McCollum. Like he, they, they idolize his game because it's old school, mid range, the footwork, the stuff, all of it real, all of right. it deserved. People love CJ McCollum. He's a good dude, great locker room presence. I thought that would have been perfect in Cleveland just as sort of a veteran presence to help these guys. Um, But instead, they're doubling down youth, whatever. Uh, I think think the Cavs kind of screwed it up here. If I'm going to play Miami Dodge is a bullet. Yeah, for sure. Maybe. Yeah, in the future. Not like this year. I don't think it would have mattered either way. But in the future, maybe. I don't know. Um, To play devil's advocate against my own argument, Levert, I guess, theoretically can slide down to the three. He's bigger than all those other guys that we were talking about. So if you were trying to stay big, but still, it's like that's not enough of a selling point to me. Um, excited. When somebody, I mean, I know like, Cavs fans are excited. It just, if you're a Cavs fan or even a Cavs media person and you're looking at this team and what they've been over the last couple of seasons, any move seems like a great one. It's like, oh, yeah. man, they, they believe. They're all in. They're yeah. buyers and not sellers. That's a fair uh, thing to say. But yeah, I, it just maybe they bought too translate. soon and they bought the wrong thing. Right. Can and we talk about the other trade? The Patriots Absolutely, trade? yeah. So then today on a Tuesday morning – we find out that the Indiana Pacers have finally broken up the duo of DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner, sending Turner, I'm sorry, no, keeping Turner, sending Sabonis to the Sacramento Kings in exchange for what? Tyrese Halliburton as a central piece of that? And uh, Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald. That's right. Yeah. Uh, kind so of Sacramento, Sacramento uh, traded all of their shooting away. They're, their they're best package. Obs- they're building ostensibly around De'Aaron Fox. And what you need around De'Aaron and Fox Sabonis. is shooters. And now Sabonis. 
and they traded their only shooters away for a non-shooter. Sabonis is good. He's a two-time All-Star. Yeah, He's a good rebounder, a good passer. He's good. Is he one of the best 20, 25 players in the NBA? I don't no. think he's that. No. Um, I am very confused by this trade, to so say the I. least. I think the world of Tyrese Halliburton, I've talked to a lot of people around Tyrese Halliburton. I did it two years ago in the lead-up to that draft when I was covering the Warriors. And I was doing my own scouting reports on Halliburton. And people love him. And I was saying that they should trade. the Warriors should draft Halliburton over Wiseman. And I look to be right at this point. Because Halliburton's awesome. And he has top 25 potential, unlike Sabonis right now, who kind of is what he is. Um, I think this was an absolute fleecing by the Pacers. You, I don't know that they were going to trade Sabonis, but as soon as Halliburton was on the table, plus Buddy Heald and some other things here, they were like, yeah, for sure we'll do this. Now we get to kind of reset, but get a guy who we can... You're not building a team around Tyrese Halliburton, but he could be a really good, like high level starter for you. Uh, right. And and the pairing between him and Brogdon now you have two really big long guards who are really good three point shooters, really good passers, really uh, willing defenders with the length and the athleticism to do it on that end. That's something now that you could build around. Now you have Miles Turner at the center role, and he's freed up right. a little bit. Like I think the Pacers actually almost get better despite getting right now a worse player in Halliburton than Sabonis, but a player who has a much higher ceiling. In Halliburton, and I'll tell you this, David, the executives that I talked to were shocked. I texted some people; they were shocked that Halliburton that they got Halliburton uh, yeah. for Sabonis. Like, no, I think there it's is a good a deal. Surprise in the NBA, I think it's a good deal for Indiana. I just also don't think it's necessarily an impactful one this season. Like right now, no, they are seven not. games back of a play-in seed. Yeah. Uh, they're in, you know thirteenth in the uh, in, in the Eastern Conference. That are nineteen and thirty-six. Not likely to make any kind of significant. They're not getting into play moves in the San Diego. They're not probably not getting. This is a move for the future. Uh, the Heat don't even have the Pacers on the schedule for the rest of the season. So, mm-hmm. in terms of how it impacts Miami, not very much this season. Next year, I'd say the Pacers get significantly better. Uh, maybe still somewhat mediocre. Look, the Indiana Pacers not ever too low of a floor, never too high of a ceiling. This kind of gets them back in there. They've cleared that separation. I think, uh, you know, everybody kind of saw the writing on the wall that Sabonis and Turner just weren't going to work together as a duo. And I think they made the right choice, personally. And yeah. I think you probably agree with me that Turner is the best fit for what you want to build in, in Indiana. So, yeah, Indiana, and if you're I, trade one, you're going to get much more for in return for Sabonis, obviously, than you would have for right. Turner. And I'll, I'll but. Right. I, I actually think that this is a really smart move by Indiana because it's not a sure. complete reset. Not that you needed one because you're already kind of stink this year. Um, <laughs> but it's sort of a soft reset. You trade your two-time All-Star for a guy who has All-Star potential in Halliburton. Um, but also, if you have a little lottery luck, you can end up with like a, a Benchero type from Duke right. or, or one, of these, one of these top prospects with a little lottery luck. And all of a sudden, you have a, one of the top prospects in this upcoming draft. Halliburton, who's one of the best yeah. young players in the NBA, Malcolm yeah. Brogdon, who's a good point guard for you to get kind of keep if things he's healthy. We'll see if they hang on to Buddy Heald, but he's one of the more prolific three point shooters in the NBA. But they could still deal him somewhere else. And you still have Miles Turner to your point, who's a good shot blocking center who can make threes for you, and you can do stuff with him. Um, like all of a sudden, the Pacers, with one fell swoop, kind of mastered this soft reset. And I don't know. I don't know what the timeline for them becomes as far as yeah. A team, but they're they're always kind of one of these teams that just seem competitive, other than this year. But as far right. as I can remember, they've always just sort of been in that playoff mix. Oh so. no, absolutely. I think that's uh, sixteen seasons or something like that that they've been in the playoffs. I think they've been a, a long time. Them and Portland, I think, were kind of two teams mm-hmm. that were similarly built, always in the playoff race. And unfortunately for them, both of them out of the playoff this race, out of the playoff race this year. But 
this is a move that Miami fans can worry about a year, maybe two down the road. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. when Miami is starting to deal with Jimmy aging and the, the, you know, the blood of Kyle's contract and whether or not Bamba's take the leap that everybody worries about so much, what they do with Tyler hero, if he becomes an all-star in the next two seasons, if Miami's on their trajectory downward or the next couple of seasons, you know, it could happen. We don't know. We're not predicting anything here. And Indiana's on their way up. Then that's when you start to worry about these kinds of moves right now. Not impactful. Even if they oh. somehow were able to get into the playing tournament, which seems very, very unlikely given the okay. rest of their schedule, uh, I, I just, just they're not going to compete against Miami. I just don't one more interesting note on this: Tyrese Halliburton yeah. and Tyler Hero competed on the same AAU team briefly. All right. All right. Um, Hero ended up moving from that AAU team to go to a bigger one. Uh, Halliburton stayed with that initial AAU team. But if we ever get to the point where we end up with Heat Pacers Finals 2012 style again. Maybe Hero and Halliburton would be in that. That might be a storyline we might hit down the road at some point, a few years down the road. <laughs> Absolutely. Any thoughts on CJ McCollum to New Orleans? Because I think it's a fine trade for the yeah. Pelicans. But again, they're waiting on Zion Williamson. They've got too much up in the air. Brandon Ingram, a fine player. He's not getting traded anytime soon. Uh, having said all that, uh, it's a good deal. I mean, McCollum's a talk good player. About, talk about duos that you're like weird to, weird to see break up. I thought Mitch McCollum and Damian Lillard would just retire together. It just felt like we were going like if that, if they were going to break up that duo, I felt like it was going to be like three years ago. But they never did it until just now. They're doing a massive rebuild around Damian Lillard. We'll see if that works out. You want to talk about implications with Miami? I don't know anything. But if like they're obviously getting cap space, they have a huge trade exception that they can use, which could take another player out of the Eastern Conference, maybe like a Julius Randle type or something like that, and send mm-hmm. him to Portland. Uh, and then it depends on, hey, like we just rebuilt this whole new thing around you, Damian Lillard. Do you like it? Look what we did for you. Do you like it? And if Damian Lillard's like, nah, I don't like this, then maybe something happens this summer with Lillard. But it, the Portland Trailblazers are a fascinating. They're, they're doing an offseason-style rebuild. On the fly, mid-season, yeah, two two days ahead of the trade deadline. I mean, it's pretty nuts, and it's something that every fan of every team—well, not every team, like not if you're the Kings, I guess—but like yeah. if you're a New York fan, a Miami fan, any of these fans who want to maybe get into the Damian Lillard thing, if that were to ever happen, it's worth monitoring. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Uh, they're also rumored to be in a potential trade with the Detroit Pistons for Jeremy Grant, so we have to continue yeah. to monitor that. Nothing finalized as of yet, but something that might play out. So at least that gets Grant away from the Eastern Conference to another potential contender yeah, here. So that's, yeah, I know. Uh, but <laughs> at the same time, uh, you know, Dame getting roasted a little bit, just a, a, a bone to pick there. He's getting roasted a little bit with the, the talk about the grind and everything else. He doesn't shy away from the grind, and now all of a sudden he's got this team to rebuild there. Like, he wasn't going to play this season. It was kind of a lost season for Portland anyway. I wonder if they'll wind up keeping Chauncey Billups and firing him uh, because, I just first of all, I don't think Billups is a particularly good coach. Uh, but maybe I wonder, does, does Lillard want to stay in Portland now, go through another active rebuild like this as a central piece? It seems like they got, they're going to need to build something around him in the short term. Yeah, it can't, be a, it can't be a rebuild, right? Like all these draft assets that they have, that they've, yeah. they've acquired now, they didn't have, they've acquired some very clearly meant to go get another player. They're not going to use these draft picks uh, on on rookies. They're going to go try to go get another player. And one thing that's worth noting, uh, they now have the cap space to potentially go get a star this summer if all if they keep on this track. So we'll see. So we'll talk about some potential trades uh, being linked to the Miami Heat. But first, just a reminder that this show is sponsored by Price Picks. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and we know you will too. It's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over/under in their projections, and you can win up to ten times 
on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price picks is safe, and they offer fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store or Google Play. Price picks offers a variety of options. They offer any prop you can think of from point scores to rebounds, even steals. Price picks also allows mixed sports entries, and they don't just offer the NBA. They also offer options on college basketball, college football, the NFL, the Major League ba- uh, Baseball, soccer, MMA, and so much more. And for a limited time only, Price Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point. But you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA. You get $50 for free if a player in your first Price Picks entries scores a single point. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday. And the Locked On NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA YouTube channel and turn your notifications on so then you know when they go live. Also, subscribe to the Locked On Heat YouTube channel and tune into our show right after the Locked On NBA show at 4 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. We'll have live reaction to the trade deadline, whether or not they might meet. Make a move or not, there will be plenty for us to talk about, uh, which is very obvious considering that we're two days away. We already have tons of things to talk about. Um, but we should discuss some of the rumors lately that uh, for uh, among the players at the Heat are are rumored to be interested in. And our friend uh, Greg Sylvander over at Five Reasons Sports reporting that the Heat are interested, targeting potentially Charlotte Hornets power forward P.J. Washington among an assortment of other players. Now, P.J. Washington was the name that was most interesting out of the list. And look, I haven't done any digging on the P.J. Washington thing in particular, but as far as his contract, it makes sense. And it's in line with what you and I have been talking about all along. When you look, everybody wants to talk about the Duncan Robinson uh, trade. That was always going to be a a far-fetched idea. A much more likely scenario for Miami ahead of this deadline was packaging Markeith Morris and a smaller contract, whether it be Casey Akpala or Armair Yurtsevin, with and, and kind of putting $4.2, $4.4 million together and maybe taking those two guys, moving it to another team, getting somebody who can contribute right, right away back in return, and then promoting Caleb Martin into what would be then the 14th roster spot, right? And you just kind of leave that 15th spot open or potentially leave it open for a buyout guy. But so P.J. Washington's contract fits in that, sort of $4.4 million contract spot. So what do you think about P.J. Washington? Well, he's got a team option for next season, too. So that's that's great. Uh, I guess Miami could ultimately wind up, you know, choosing not to pick up that option and keeping some salary cap space there. Although, I I mean, aside from year seven, none of those players really have any time left on their contract anyway. But as far as Washington, the player, he's fine. Like, he's a name because he was a lottery pick, uh, you know, played at Kentucky, Obviously, there's a connection to Miami there. Limited athleticism, from what I've seen. Uh, okay shooting, although I would say that he probably takes some um, some difficult shots that don't need to be taken. So I wonder if he's just a player in need of a change of scenery. And, and look, mm-hmm. we've seen that before. It's, it's hard to gauge a player's value or impact just based on three seasons uh, in Charlotte, of all places, where they've been losing and they've gone through such turmoil in terms of their coaching staff and everything else and players and uh, you know, how do you evaluate what P.J. Washington can do based on what he's done on a bad team? And so there is potential there. 
I'm just not particularly high on that potential. Uh, I think he can do some things, but he's not a passer. He's just an immediate upgrade for this season. And if that's the case, that's fine. Um, but only because you just don't believe that Marquise Morris is ever going to play in for the Heat this season. Right. Um, and for the record, it, it's worth noting that the Heat were interested in P.J. Washington in lead up to that 2019 draft. They worked him out a couple different times, and they were interested in him. We don't know if they would have taken him. Uh, he he yeah. went off the board one pick before them to Charlotte. They ended up, of course, with Tyler Hero, and, and I would say that okay. probably worked out. But um, they liked P.J. Washington back then, and I would imagine they probably still do. He's a 38% three-point shooter. Uh, yeah. He's not particularly great from the corners, um, but that's not on a very high volume either. The other thing with PJ is that he is extension eligible this summer. So this would not be a one-year rental. This would not be a situation where you decline the team option there. I, I mean, this is a guy who you would trade for understanding that you would pick him. You, you would, you would extend him. Now, right. I don't know what that extension looks like. It's probably not a huge extension, but it's something that you would do to, to retain him. I would right. imagine. Um, do the heat like PJ Washington that much? Would they have to get him in house to determine that? Probably, yep. right? Yeah. Um, but they they probably like him enough to at least look at it. And again, we don't know what the extent of any con- – if there had even been a conversation. Look, the way that this stuff works is a GM will call another GM and say, hey, what? who do you like on my roster? Here's who I like on your roster. And maybe that's the end of the conversation. Very rarely do you actually get a, let's do this for this, and then you plug it right. into the trade machine and it works. Like, you very rarely get that in the NBA. But for it to actually work out, it would be – Markeith Morris and probably Omer Yurtsevin, because you got to think if you're from if you're Charlotte, why would you trade PJ Washington, the guy who three years ago you took in the lottery, who's been okay for you? He's been useful. He's played some four, played some five for you. He's versatile. He fills gaps for you. He's not a hopeless player by any stretch. Why would you trade a nice young player in PJ Washington? Well, number one, maybe you don't want to pay the extension this summer. That's that, right. that's a that's a factor, and also because you're looking for a center, and you've made it known to everybody that you're looking for a center. And Omer Yurtsevin plays the center position, and he's been really uh, impressive in the small amount of minutes that he's had. And if you kind of look at what they need, they need a guy like Yurtsevin. He can kind of stretch the floor. He can rebound a bunch. He's a presence in the in the paint, at least. He's young, so yeah. he fits their timeline. Uh, there's things to like there. He's a Georgetown guy. That's close to Charlotte. Um, that probably doesn't matter, but I don't know. I thought yeah. it was worth pointing out. Uh, <laughs> so it would be Markeith Morris and Omer Yurtsevin for P.J. Washington. So then the question goes back to Miami. After everything you've seen from Omer Yurtsevin, and we love some Omer Yurtsevin, would you be willing to trade Omer Yurtsevin yeah. in a package to get P.J. Washington? We put it on the Twitter poll over on Lockdown Heat on Twitter. Uh, 68% of you said yes. 32% of you said no. So overwhelmingly, a lot, uh, majority of you said yeah. I, would trade I will say Yurtsevin 100% of the front office will do the trade in a heartbeat if they like I Washington it, more. Yeah, I think it would make sense. The only problem with it, though, doesn't exactly line up. Contract wise, like perfectly, Miami is so close to luxury tax line, four hundred thousand dollars, that this deal would put them at two hundred sixty-two thousand dollars below that tax line. Mm. So you're still not paying the tax, but the mm. problem becomes you're doing a two-for-one deal. You only got thirteen players under contract. You need fourteen by league rules. So you would have to promote Caleb Martin. Would probably be the first move. You would have to promote Caleb Martin on a minimum contract. It would be prorated. But it wouldn't be prorated enough to keep you out of the luxury tax. So you would be doing this deal and guaranteeing that you would be entering the luxury tax if you did this deal by itself. You could do potentially a second deal. But you couldn't do a second deal to just offload, for example, Casey Akpala because now you're only with 12 players. And you, if you, even if you promoted Caleb Martin, you're only at 13. And you still have to go sign somebody else to get to 14. And now you have the same problem. So 
I don't, this doesn't quite mathematically make sense unless you deal a higher salary for a much lesser salary. Maybe it's Duncan Robinson's 15.6 for somebody who makes 13 or 14 or something easier like that. But again, are you jumping through all these hoops for PJ Washington? I don't think so. As much as maybe the Heat like PJ Washington, I'm sure they don't like him that much unless they think that that subsequent deal also improves the team. So it's, you, it's a little tricky here. Do you, do you like him that much? No. I like P.J. Washington. I like his versatility. I think exact, I think the Heat need to find a guy Someone. like P.J. Washington. Right. They, it, we, look, we, we've been wondering whether or not Marquise Morris was going to play all season. We have no idea. And when he does come back, we don't know what he's going to look like. They need somebody in that backup four role. And I don't okay, think that this? you could rely on If you can find a guy who could be healthy and play for you right now with giving and not having to jump all, through all these hoops, I think you do it. And right. I just so the here's the theoretical. Quite work. Here's a theoretical. Going through all those uh, cap gymnastics yeah. to get a player like uh, Washington, who you probably can't sign long term because of conflicts with the rest of the contracts on this roster, and knowing that he is, you know, okay as a player and fits what they're trying to do now, but you still need a four. Would he be worth the sacrifice and the cost over, say, Paul Millsap if he's available as a buyout player? Well, you'd have to first unload somebody. And so you're going to, in order to even have the buyout conversation, because I don't think that, like, I would rather get Paul Mills. Paul Millsap can't really do much right now. But if, mm-hmm. if the if the cost is free mm-hmm. and you don't have to do all this work, then maybe it's worth exploring. I don't know. But you also have to have some pretty good intel if you're Miami, because we have a timeline thing here, too. Because right now, if you were to add Paul Millsap, you couldn't do it until late March, Right. Which now you're kind of it's again it kind of defeats the purpose. Like by then, Marquise Morris might be back. So what's the, even the yeah. point of adding Paul Millsap? And also, you wouldn't be able to promote Caleb Martin at that point, and then Caleb Martin wouldn't be eligible for the playoffs, which is the right. whole reason why you want to promote him from that two-way contract. So you've got to have really good intel on that Paul Millsap is going to sign with you at that point, it, right? Or I should say that he's going to sign with he's going to get bought out, and then he's going to sign with you because before this trade deadline, you would have to clear cap space. You would have to trade. Markeith Morris or Casey Akpala into Oklahoma City's cap space or whatever, and right. and just and be very very confident that you're getting somebody on the buyout market. Would I do it for Paul Millsap? No, but if I was super confident in a guy like Thaddeus Young, 100, I would do that. Yeah, I wonder if he gets bought out at this point, considering how much they have played him of late, given all the injuries that they're going yeah, through. There's but been some, some of the- scuttle that they could trade him and stuff, but I don't see anybody taking on that salary. We'll see what happens. Couple of the other names that Greg mentioned in a tweet: uh, Rui Hachimura of the Washington Wizards. We That's should not also note. We should also note that today, uh, Bradley Beal electing to have season-ending surgery, and he'll be out for the rest of the year. The Washington Wizards already a scrambling mess of a team, and not likely to make any kind of noise in the playoffs. Now they're almost assuredly done. They're going to be probably sellers at the NBA trend mm-hmm. line. I know they'd probably like to move Montrez Harrell. I don't think that's going to happen either. I don't know if there's any takers for a guy like him or for that contract. Uh, but not at Hachimura. You're not a believer no. in what Hachimura brings to the table. No, um, I love Hachimura. Washington does too. It's not going to happen. What, like, it, Washington- you think the Wizards like Hachimura that much? I mean... He's only making the rookie scale. Like, what did the Heat go? Hey, what do you guys want for? We've got Casey Akpala. Would you? Was just like, ah, no, thank you. We'll yeah. hang on to Hachimura. They hey, like Mark Hachimura. Morris played for the Wizards already, so maybe it's a reunion of sorts. <laughs> They're not doing that. It's no. a rebuilding team. The Hachimura thing is a pipe dream. It's one of those things where Pat Riley calls, "Hey, would you guys trade him to? It? Yeah, not for anything you guys have. Call never for him. Thank you. Right. And and Batum, same thing. The Clippers aren't trading Batum. 
they're contenders. I mean, I think yeah. they still see themselves. Yeah, they, they made that trade for Norm Powell, uh, yeah. and I think they probably expect Kawhi Leonard to make a return at some point soon. Given all that, possibly uh, that Paul George. So if that's the case, uh, they they don't want to trade away one of their best players. Okay. So anyway, uh, we'll move on. We'll talk a little bit about a potential trade brewing in Philadelphia uh, to potentially lead. uh, Sorry, acquire James Harden. That should be a big deal, and it will probably shake up the Eastern Conference if it does wind up taking place. We'll break it down here in the next segment. But first, just a reminder that this is the time of year that most people have probably given up on all their New Year's resolutions, but not this year. If you're willing to stick to your resolution to eat right, then make sure that you get Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because you'll enjoy eating them so much. Have you tried their puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are a first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. You're not a marshmallow guy, right? Or are you? I can't I can't recall if you are. I hate marshmallows. Okay, that's right. But I have but I like the Built Marshmallow stuff that they've done. This is not the first marshmallow thing they've done. Okay. They're, they're treat- not as sweet. Right, yeah, like and, and they're 100% covered in real chocolate, just like sure. all their delicious bars. They're soft and easy to chew. They don't even taste like a protein bar. Uh, Low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these, and you won't even notice the difference. They're better for you, and they just taste great, too. So go to Built.com and look at all the different flavors they have. Build a mixed box of each of your favorites. And then when you're ready to check out, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off, but only if you go to Built.com. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. Wes, this music has me feeling dangerous, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> speaking of dangerous, a potential trade brewing. <laughs> that's, that's different. That's angry. That's not necessarily dangerous. Oh, okay. but, uh, that's different. Right. <laughs> subtle difference, but a significant one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you think of the James Harden trade? Uh, is that going to happen? Is that going to be? Well, let's break it down. Right now, of course, still a stalemate in Philadelphia. Right. Ben Simmons not playing. Daryl Morey saying publicly, you know what? I'll be willing to go into the offseason if that's what it takes. I don't see why. They're finding the player. Uh, Simmons is losing his opportunities to prove that he's still a, good, a valuable NBA player. Who knows what's happening with him? Uh, he's, of course, talked about having mental health issues, so we shouldn't dismiss right. those. Uh, but at the same time, we're also looking at Brooklyn and their current situation. And, and yes, they might even be lifting up their uh, vaccination and mandate status in New York City. So who knows if Kyrie Irving might be able to play at some point this season in front of the Brooklyn home fans. At the same time, uh, James Harden, a free agent who's already said he's going to choose to uh, dip his toes into the free agency waters, and maybe he's just kind of sick of all the bullshit that he's dealing with in Brooklyn between KD's entry and Kyrie's everything. Uh, And then, of course, James Harden, you know, adding to that as well, and perhaps looking to get his kind of, uh, you know, get his own team or get a different team, uh, you know, change change his scenery for himself as well. And, of course, he gets along with Daryl Morey, the former Houston Rockets general manager, too. So a trade has been linked before. Uh, I think that's what Morey's grand prize would be in exchange for a Ben Simmons deal. It's what he's been uh, waiting for, right? I mean, this is this is why he's not he's been so reluctant to trade Ben Simmons so far. And another interesting thing with the C.J. McCollum deal, with him going right. to New Orleans, look, that C.J. McCollum stuff, it kind of cropped up again at the beginning of the year. Hey, just do it. You know, C.J. McCollum's better than what you got. Um, that's off the table now. And it kind of looks like all of the options right now for Ben Simmons is off the table. You mentioned Bradley Beal getting season-ending surgery. Okay, 
Bradley Beal's off the table for Philadelphia and a potential deal for Ben Simmons if Beal were ever to be available. Damian Lillard, we have no idea what's going on with the stomach thing. It's a serious issue. That's not happening until at least the offseason if it ever happens. And so right. all of these options that maybe there were there uh, prior, Sacramento just moved everything. And they were always sort of linked with Ben Simmons as sort of like, didn't Daryl Morey go on a local radio station? And it's like, yeah, if we want to do the Sacramento deal, that'll always be there. Well, guess what? Two days before the deadline ain't there anymore, Daryl. <laughs> so there, uh, I, it's really interesting to see where this has kind of gotten to. It's sort of like Ben Simmons for James Harden or bust, right? right. For Philly. And if you're Brooklyn, all the reports indicate that they hate all of this and all of the noise. Look, it doesn't take a genius to part the leaks and the reports that you're seeing everywhere from ESPN to the athletic to anybody, Bleacher Report, everybody that's doing any reporting on this. It's pretty clear where the, the intel is coming from. And it's coming from the Simmons camp and it's coming from the it was initially coming from the Harden camp. But all the stuff today on Tuesday while we're recording this, David, has it feels like it's coming from the Simmons camp. Um, yeah. Philadelphia is open to discussing all of this. Blah, blah, blah. Brooklyn's sort of been shutting it down more lately. It's kind of fun to read these reports and, and the source stuff and all this and kind of parse. Why are they saying this? What are they doing here? Anything yeah. you read, look, nothing is off the table until the trade deadline is over. And even then, it's only off the table until the summer, right? Right. But everything that you read doesn't mean what it says. It, it's 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 bargaining. It's negotiation. It's it's trying to create a position, right? That's all any of this is. So I'll be really interested to see what happens here. Uh, if I had to bet, I'd say nothing gets done. Because, again, if I'm Brooklyn, yeah. do I really want to help out Philadelphia? Do I really want to do that? Because right now, we've got the player that's playing, and they don't. And right. so push comes to shove, we lose Harden, big deal. At least we didn't help out Philadelphia and just gift them James Harden. At the same time, you could kind of squint and make the argument, if you're Brooklyn, are we better with Ben Simmons than we are with James Harden? Our defense is a mess. We could use sort of a pass-first guy like Ben Simmons. Uh, we could use an influx of youth. If Harden's going to walk away this summer anyway, would it be nice to get a guy who made the All-NBA team twice in-house under long-term contract and pair him up with Kevin Durant? Because we have no idea. Kyrie Irving could be playing on Mars next year with how many times he changes teams and where he wants to go. So uh, I don't know. It's really interesting. But I, I ultimately think it doesn't happen only because Brooklyn has to do so much talking themselves into it. And they're already starting from a place of reluctance. So... But but again, like they have to be a hundred percent confident that Harden is not going to resign. That's the only way it happens, and the only way that happens is if Harden basically tells that front of us, "Hey, I'm not resigning." Right. I I don't know. I'm kind of kind of starting to think something does happen. Like I know that Brooklyn Nets and Steve Nash recently said, "Oh, you know, he's not going anywhere." But I just that doesn't mean I don't anything. know. It's posturing. No, That's all it, it is. It, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and you're right about the fit there with Simmons, a guy who can pass the ball. We've already seen Kyrie play off ball playing next to James. You've got your go-to scorer with KD. I break this point on Lockdown NBA yesterday. I don't even know what the mindset is. Like, this team has such an irregular timeline. You know, with any other team, you'd have to worry about the championship window and things of that sort. But I don't know if this team has that same approach, right? Which I, team I, are we talking about now? Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Yeah, okay. Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I don't – do they have a championship window? Do they care, given everything that's happened between Kyrie? Like, Harden certainly cares. And for yeah, him – I mean, the, hard, the window's now, isn't it? Like For for Harden, yes. But for Brooklyn, I don't know. I don't know if they – I don't know if they see it as their current window. I don't know if they're willing to semi-punt well, on Kevin it. Durant didn't go there to win three years from now. Kevin – like, if you ask Kevin Durant, who's sort of, you know, the ringleader of this whole thing, him and Kyrie, like, the window's now. They want to win now. And Kyrie still thinks, like, they can win now. If you, you listen to these Kyrie interviews, like, he's like, oh, yeah, like, eventually the universe will help me out. And 
like as if there's nothing you could do about this. But like, yeah, eventually I'll be able to play as if like not every other player in New York and Brooklyn are dealing with the same issues, but whatever. Um, I, I, I They think the window is now. The question is whether or not they think Ben Simmons can help them because he also hasn't played in like a year. Right. Like what kind of shape is he in? What kind of the, these mental health things that he's talking about, like the, the fear of shooting at the end of games, like that stuff doesn't just go like, or maybe it does. Maybe that's what he needed is a change of scenery, and that's why he's been so reluctant to play for Philadelphia and, and face his teammates again and go into that locker room and face those fans again. I mean, that's quite possible that really all he needs is a change of scenery, and all of a sudden all that stuff is alleviated. I have no idea. I'm not his therapist, and I have no idea, and I don't want to speak to it. But um, they have to have they have to get some real intel on that because you and I don't need to know it, but Brooklyn sure as hell has to know it before they pull off that kind of trade because there's a lot at stake because if you trade James Harden, a guy who we were talking about potentially winning MVP last year for a point. Remember that? Yeah. Like, if you trade James Harden, that is an admission that, hey, this initial experiment did not work. Right. And you've got to be really confident that the next experiment will. It could be a lot of noise, too. I mean, it happened in Miami, right? They were this close to trading away Chris Bosh, according to all the outside rumors. Maybe internally, they just really say, you know what? We're going to double down. We're going to lean into it. This is really only the second season of this you know, trip trio of players being together. Last year, they were injury-riddled. It was the first year where they were all on the same team at the same time after they acquired James Harden in the middle of the season. This year, they were all there, ostensibly, uh, assuming that Kyrie Irving is going to be able to play in front of the home crowd at some point. So maybe they just lean into it and say, you know what? Once we get KD back, we're going to be fine. Yes, they've lost eight in a row, but I'm sure they'll be able to right the ship at some point. And oh, yeah, the, yeah by the way. I mean, you're right. right. That's the other thing with Brooklyn, too, was like, do you think it's broken or do you think it's just broken right now? And right. like once Kevin Durant got back and then James Harden isn't asked to do everything and maybe you get guys healthy and maybe this thing does impact Kyrie Irving and he is able to be a full-time player again. Like I still think that version of the Nets is more dangerous than than Durant, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. As much as Ben Simmons can help that team, I still think if you've got three guys that could do that stuff, that's still a higher ceiling team than one with Ben Simmons instead of Harden. So that's like, again, I just think that the, the Nets have to talk themselves into it a little too much, but you know what? Anything can change. You know, we're 48 hours away from this deadline, a little bit less. Like, it, if they get that intel from Harden that he's not coming back, then they might not have a choice but to pull the trigger yeah. on a Ben Simmons deal. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Heat fan, you don't right. want it to happen, right? If you're a Heat fan, you want you want both teams to just stand pat. I think so, because you all of a sudden, not only does Philadelphia not get the player that could you know potentially add something to this roster right now. They would be the also, favorites, right, with Harden? If they got Harden? Philadelphia, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Given and that uh, Embiid is playing the uh, you know as well as he is as an MVP candidate, I mean, maybe not yeah. strong conviction behind that belief, but I think enough of it there to think that they could be some. Look, they won without him in and out of the lineup with everything else going on there, with relying on Tobias Harris as much as they have without Ben Simmons. They've still been pretty damn good, and they've still built a pretty elite level defense. So, given all that, I, I think. There's still a considerable threat, uh, especially maybe, to Miami's. Maybe that's the reason why Brooklyn doesn't do it, because I think if you were a rival team to Brooklyn and Philadelphia and this trade happens, you now become fearful of Philadelphia, not so much Brooklyn, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm with you. If you're a Heat fan, you you just want both of these teams to let the trade deadline go, and that's it. We'll see what happens. Again, 48 hours. We'll have it all covered here on Locked on Heat. Oh, no, by the way, just another reminder. The Brooklyn Nets are actually coming to Miami on Saturday to take on the Heat. That should be fun. We'll see what version of the team 
will be there at the FTX Arena. But of course, we'll have all the action for you. Make sure to check out Locked on Heat's trade deadline special on Thursday. We'll give you all the coverage that we possibly can about any potential moves that do take place or moves that did not take place and what it means about the Miami Heat's front office conviction about this particular team. But make sure to continue making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember that every episode is always free and available to subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. You get all the best coverage available right away. Make sure to also check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. I'm David Ramil, signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B.